0: I invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is where the book transitions from our walk to warfare. Look what it says in 610. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It was my first year out of college, I got a job teaching at Gravenue Middle School, and I was teaching rotating periods, so I had about 200 students a year. It's hard to remember that many students, but they're from all different backgrounds, all different ways of life, all different stories and struggles and strengths, just very diverse. And I want to tell you about, one student that I had on that first year, I, I remember him really well. I got him midway through the year into one of my classes because he was in foster care. And now his new home, so to speak, was was there in, in our district. And he shared a story with me, He had just been removed from his mom's house. He'd been abused by his father in every terrible way you can think of, and it seemed as though his father just showed up enough to undish, to dish out that abuse on him and his siblings. His mother was an addict. She was addicted to meth, and even though she was there more than his dad, she truthfully wasn't there very much, and now he was separated. He was in and out of foster care from his siblings because there wasn't a place where they could all be together. It wasn't a placement that could accommodate that. And I, I started listening to him because I noticed him on the way leaving school one day and he was walking his bike. And it was pouring rain and he was wearing a t shirt. Chain was off of his sprocket. And it was, from his perspective, reasonable to say that nobody loved him. And I can see that perspective, right? He was, he really, he, He struggled socially, academically, materially, physically. And he stood out to me, not because of his his life necessarily, because in my years of teaching, I had a lot of students like that. But a conversation and this verse that we're studying right now was in the middle of it. As Sean was talking to me and telling me about his life, and I told him, you know, hang in there, be strong. And there wasn't even a second between what I said and his response. When I said, be strong, he said, but I'm not. It's not as though I offered him any kind of solution. It's not as though I offered him any kind of comfort, did I? He just said, I'm not strong, but I'm not. He had obviously tried that before, it obviously attempted a lot of times to be strong in spite of his circumstances. So here I am, 22 years old, he's 14, you know. I mean, he's like, what if this was my little brother? You know, that's at that age what I was thinking. And when he responded in the way that he did, um, but I'm not, I, I knew this verse because it's in a song by Petra called More Power to You. that says it word for word, you know, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I did finish the verse with him and told him, you're right, you can't be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's our first point is be strong in the Lord you know what this verse is talking about. We are so weak. It's not that we don't have resolve at all. It's not that we don't have any strength at all. It's not that we can't muster up some ability in and of ourselves. It's not that we can't strive. Isn't that true? We can strive for things. We can work for things. And later on, I hope, hopefully we realize that even that is given to us from God, but we can offer up some effort. But the truth is, is that we don't have what it takes to deal with trials and temptations in this life. We, we just don't have it in ourselves. We don't have the strength to move forward, the, the strength to, to conquer, and we can't take care of ourselves, not even close. And the sooner we come to the truth, that we're not strong, the sooner we can live the truth of being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because this is not at all about tenacity. It's not at all about willpower. It's not at all about follow through. We hear a lot about that stuff. Like that's what we need, right? We need some of that follow through. We need some of that resolve, some of that willpower to push forward, to push through. That's not at all what the word is saying right here to us. It's saying, know that you're weak and be strong in him, not with your own power, but with the power that only comes from Christ. This is your walk. This is my walk with God. I know it. I know it's a battle. And we cannot win this battle without the strength of the Lord. We'll just go through life crumbling through trials, through temptations. And think about this. I'm speaking for myself. I don't always know the difference when I'm operating in my so-called strength and when I'm operating in God's strength. I'm just too deceived. Now, when I look back on the way that I've lived, I've got better perspective. Are you like that too? And I'm thinking, look, all I was doing was working in my own resolve, I, I wasn't working in the strength of the Lord. But when that's being played out in my life, I can think, I'm just working in God's strength. I'm giving him all I've got. There have been many times when I've failed for a long, long time, miserably. And all along, I was striving in my own so-called strength. And there have been times, too, when I've been strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And I ask God for myself, and I ask Him for you, like, teach me the difference really early, like in, in that endeavor, whether it's you or it's me, because I get mixed up. And the truth is, is I just go back and forth between living in my own strength and living in the strength of God. And you would think maybe you wouldn't think, but you I think you would think, that once you arrived at living being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that we would just stay there, that we would say, this is a new way of living. And why would I ever go back to trying to analyze and resolve and fix and sort out everything for myself? I've lived according to the power of God before. Why don't I just keep living that way? Because it's a battle. This is warfare. It's not as though we can just set it. I do wish it was like that, but it's not. So what do I end up with? A back and forth between working in myself and my own strength, and then working through the Lord, in the Lord, with him as my shield and him as my protector. So I look at this first call for us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And it is in a military context where your superior is saying to you, Christian, be strong with my power, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm going to say that verse so many times you'll have it memorized, except for the finally my brother in part at the beginning. It is in a military context, but look, the Bible is not just saying suck it up. It is saying the Lord is your unlimited source of strength. That is Jesus. And he's your compassionate powerhouse. That is such a combination, isn't it? God being your, the high tower that you run into, that, that you can hide in. And there are times when we just need to hide, right? In the Lord. But we go and we run and we dwell in him, but he also dwells in us. That is the God that we serve, who gives us strength, that gives us might. I look at what it says about, finally, my brethren at the beginning. I noticed that at the beginning of verse 10, Because Paul delivers this to people that are like family to him. There's a lot of love in a healthy family. Between the parents and the children. Between the brothers and the sisters, between the siblings. There's a lot of love there. And Paul is writing to these Ephesians as dear children as brothers, as a family. He's saying, this is the way we're called by God to live our lives, not in our own strength, but in the strength that he gives to us. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But Paul doesn't know us, right? It's it's not as though Paul's writing, you know, he doesn't know us like family. But the context of this is that we are the family of God and we are to spur one another on and remind each other to live this way as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I have that growing relationship with some of you where you're like a brother to me and we're getting to be more and more like brothers. I'm getting to be more and more like a brother to you if, if you're a sister. And we're growing in that. And to some of you, I'm truthfully more like a parent and that's not blasphemy. I'm just that old and you're just that young. Because Paul did say of Timothy, my son in the faith, but still, it's this family bond of love. Healthy family, God made, right? There's, there's a lot of struggles too, but this is what it is. Finally, my brethren. So it's a family principle. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Together, as brothers. As sisters. I am so thankful that that's not the last word of this book, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Of course it is, it's a wonderful command, but I'm wondering how can I be strong in the Lord? Isn't that what you're wondering? Okay. Because I can say that I want it. I want to be strong in the Lord, that that's my desire. I can say, Lord, I, I want to be strong in you. I don't want to be stumbling around in my own weakness, but how do we get that done? How am I going to do it? Well, guess what? These next verses are the particulars about how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There is a provision. There is a protocol. There is a process for how we are to be strong in him. It's not as though we just say, I'm going to be strong. If you have an emotional personality like me, I tend to just be the way, yeah, I'm in. But what does it mean to take those steps to rely on on the Lord and to live in his power instead of in our own so-called strength. He gives us the equipment. We must allow the Lord to make our hearts right before him. And it says this in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Point number two, put on all your armor. I focused in on the word whole. We get this clear instruction to put on. This means that wearing the armor of God is very intentional. Now, in chapter four of this book and at the beginning of chapter five, we specifically studied the put on, what we're supposed to put on in our lives and what we're supposed to put off. There were four teachings in a row that just kept being part one, part two, part three, part four of put on and put off. And that's the same idea that we see here, that we are to intentionally, purposefully Put on this armor, because we're in a battle every single day. So the word is saying, do not neglect to put it on. Look at verse 13, we read, therefore take up the whole armor of God. So there's a putting on, and probably the take up is is speaking about the sword, the things we're going to pick up before we put on, like that breastplate and like that helmet. But whole means that we cannot wear just some of this armor and then hope for success. That we can't be partial in this. That if we're going to be successful, we need to wear all of it. Now, maybe you like the breastplate because you think, oh, to me, that's really important. It protects my vitals, keeps them from injury. But does wearing the breastplate mean that you don't have to wear the helmet? Certainly not. That's why over and over, it's called the whole armor of God. Here in verse 11 and in verse 13 verse 13, all of it, wear all of it. Or maybe you're more of the defensive type and you like the shield because you're thinking I can deflect almost anything aside from that. But what if you don't have the sword? So the whole armor, we tend to emphasize certain areas thinking that if I'm really doing this, it's going to make up for the other. The whole armor, let your walk with God, your life with God, have all of these provisions, all of these protections, all of these weapons. Don't think that you can do with just having some armor of God. Put on some armor of God. For those of us who know what the scriptures say right away, in our minds we say, that's the wrong word. It's the whole armor of God. It's not a few pieces of it. It's not selective pieces of it. Now let's look at this. And God willing, this Sunday we'll talk more about Roman soldiers, centurions. But the truth is, is that most of us are not that familiar with hand-to-hand combat. It's interesting with teenagers today, they think they're familiar with hand-to-hand combat because of gaming. They're like, oh, I know all about that. But actually, most people, including me, I don't know a whole lot. Like, I don't have to engage in hand-to-hand combat very often. (laughs) It's not something that's, right, right, that, that I'm really that good at, because I think in our minds, we think, I'd be pretty good at that. Well, something that you almost never do, how how good are you going to be at that? How practiced are you? But the picture here is of a soldier who who fights in this manner, hand-to-hand combat, not, not from a distance, for a living, every day, putting down rebellion, fighting against the enemies, and he does it very up close and very personal. We can cry, try to make comparisons here. We can say, think of a football player who doesn't wear his who wears his pads but doesn't wear his cleats. You're like, oh yeah, that's bad. He should definitely wear his cleats. It's, we can try to do that. We can say, think of a motorcycle rider and she, you know, she doesn't wear her goggles or whatever. You know, you're just like bugs are in her eyes. You know, there's there's complete equipment, but this is a matter of life and death. It's not just showing up unprepared. It's a matter of everything. Your whole eternity is here before you. Your victory in Christ or your defeats apart from Christ. Most of us will never be at war. And even if we are at war, a lot of it won't be hand-to-hand combat. So this is something that's pretty foreign to us. But to the people in Ephesus, they knew about it. They lived in the Roman worlds, and this is what the Romans were about, hand-to-hand combat, the sword, the shield, warfare, right up in your face, a reality. This is the reality, actually. It would be a massive disadvantage to a soldier to be without just one piece of his armor. It's hard for us to grasp how bad it would be, because we don't live in that situation, but they're not going to go into battle barefoot without their feet shod, right? Oh, I think I'll just go out there and do the best I can, right? No, the whole armor is what's needed. The Lord is telling us we need it all. We can't just be really protected in one area. Maybe you can dodge a few darts without having your feet shod, maybe a few more darts than the next person, but sooner or later, You're out there in bare feet. You're going to get hit many times, and the damage, the damage will be truly terrible, the destruction. Verse 11 says this in the middle, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we're to put on the whole armor of God so that that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So point number three is know your enemy. Satan the devil. He knows the flesh. He knows human nature. He knows which misdirection to encourage. What lies to sow when and where. He can't read our minds, but the devil and his demons, they hear our comments and they see our attitudes And here we learn in the Word of God, Satan is real, and he is a strategist. He's a schemer. That's why it speaks of the wiles of the devil. He is well-equipped in evil. He's well-versed in temptation. And think of this. He's been doing it for thousands of years. Thousands of years. Long before I was born or you were born, he's been tempting and enticing people away from God and towards evil, away from the Lord and towards destruction. And the devil and his legions of demons, and later it speaks of principalities and powers, they watch every move and they wait for an opening. So you and I are to wear our whole armor of God so that we can stand against the strategy of the devil. And he is indeed a formidable foe. And his aim... We know what it is. It's to kill, steal, and ultimately destroy. To sow enough lies into our life that we start to believe that they're truth so that we go down that dead-end road of destruction, so that we do all of this harm, so that we get away from the God that saved us. That's what he's trying to do. So we're not dealing with an amateur truthfully, if it were just me against Satan, I wouldn't stand a chance, and neither would you. Yet, the Lord is my strength, and in my weakness, his strength, the Lord's strength, is made perfect. The Lord has equipped you. As a Christian, you have every one of these pieces of armor available to you. So reading of the wiles of the devil, it can be Scary if we're not realizing who the Lord is and what he provides to us in his strength. It's not as though we're left alone dealing with the schemer, the roaring lion. I think of boxers, and they go back to the corner in between rounds, and the trainers are getting them ready, giving them all these encouraging words. And even if a boxer's just getting worked over. You'll hear those trainers if you're up close. My dad and I used to go to the Golden Gloves boxing matches, and we'd even go to college and watch them. And those trainers, they have all these really encouraging words. You're doing good, buddy. You can hear them in there. And the guy's just getting the living daylight speed out of him. <laughs> and I remember being there at one time and being able to hear, like, what's he saying to him? At the end, he told his boxer, go get him, Tiger. And I was thinking, I told my dad, was he talking to His boxer or the guy or the opponent? Because it seems like he's getting thrown to the tigers. He's losing. When it comes to our enemy, sometimes it feels like that. Like, he is so formidable. He has all these tactics. He has all these schemes. For thousands of years, he's watched and waited and capitalized on people's weaknesses and their flesh. And who am I? Like, How in the world am I going to deal with this mighty evil being? We sang it tonight, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's already won the battle. He is the victor. It's not as though he's waiting to be revealed as the victor. He is the victor. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, the battle is already won. He's already taken care of your sin and given, he's washed it away and he's won the battle through the cross and giving you eternal life. The question is, If if you're on the fence, will you prevail with the Lord? As his child, you'll prevail. You'll have everlasting life. That is your future, no matter how ugly the battle gets. Are we going to get wounded? Oh yes, cut up, bruised, bashed, some more than others. But this isn't about the wounds. It's first and foremost about the Lord. It's not about our trials and temptations first. It's about him, and him being our victor, him being the one who secures victory for us. The enemy will not snatch you from his hand. Take heart knowing that he commands your fate, and ultimately, he has defeated sin on your behalf. So when I say know your enemy, I mean be aware of his strategies. Be aware of the way that he works Don't be a foolish opponent, just walking right into his trap. The song, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And then the next verse, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. The truth is is that we do get discouraged. We shouldn't be discouraged because the Lord is the victor on our behalf. And in him, we are victorious. But it's a reminder to us, get back to your compassionate commander. Get back to wearing the whole armor. If you never put it totally on, put it completely on. You don't have to have figure out exactly how he's going to do it. He will. He will protect us in the immediate. You see, Paul isn't presenting this by the power of the Holy Spirit for heaven. In heaven, I'm not going to be wearing a helmet, right? I'm going to get a crown, and I'm going to cast it at Jesus' feet. I'm not going to be doing war anymore up there. This is for this life that you and I would have victory in Jesus. Victory because of Jesus. Because we have listened to what he's told us to do. We've sought refuge in him by faith, and then we've put the armor on so that he will be our strength and be our shields middle of 13 that you may be able to stand in the evil day by the way today is the evil day that you may be able to stand in the evil day having done all to stand stand therefore there's a lot of standing in here isn't there so number four is stand your ground Earlier we learned, was it 11? Yes, that we are going to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I heard you stand, stand, stand. A lot about standing our ground in this whole armor of God section. Yes, there will be advancements. Yes, there will be conquering. Maybe you're like that. I want to conquer. I want to advance. But first, we hear that part of our strategy is to stand, to face off against sin, It's saying stand here in the Word of God so that we can know where evil is and take a stand against it. We're taking a stand against our own flesh. We're taking a stand against our own waywardness. We're taking a stand against Satan and the evil that he desires to sow into our lives. It's not as though we're simply ignoring the sin, but we're taking a stand against it. Why does the Bible say this? Because it's so important that we identify the sin. That we aim at defeating the sin. That we call sin, sin. And that we realize that temptation is indeed temptation. Because you can be a pretty great fighter, but if you're not headed in the right direction, what good is all that, fight? if you're fighting the wrong enemy, stand your ground. I think of football and, and the linemen as they're, they're doing their stance, their three-point stance, right? They're facing You don't see the offensive linemen, I haven't seen this formation anyway, like facing the opposite direction or you get one of the defensive linemen, he gets up there and he just lines up three-point stance and he's facing everybody in his team. They're facing the opponents. They're standing their ground. They're saying, that right there is the lie. That right there is the enemy. That right there is my flesh and I'm identifying it. So I'm not, you know, just trying to pretend like it's not there. I'm taking a stand against evil, not letting your guard down, not giving it an inch. The thought comes into our minds, we stand against it. We don't just pretend like it's not there. Now, the Bible does say that we're supposed to flee sin, we're supposed to run from sin, right? We're told to flee youthful lust, but there's not a contradiction here. Recognizing the danger so that we're not, so that we know what we're up against So, it's not a surprise to us. That's the idea here. I I think of, of Joseph recognizing the danger that he was in and then taking the stand against it. Far be it from me, right? And then he did the fleeing. It's time for me to get out of here. But he had to recognize, he had to identify the sin. He had to call sin, sin. He had to know that that would be immorality. So, he had to run the other direction. It wasn't about his desires. It was about him standing his ground against the evil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, this is verse 12, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Number four was stand your ground. Number five is know where the battle takes place. What does the beginning of 12 say? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It would be so much easier if the battle was against flesh and blood, wouldn't it? Because you could mark your enemy, just stay away from certain people, and there are certain people we should stay away from because bad company corrupts good morals, but it would be so much simpler, so much easier if it was a physical battle in the sense of they're wearing a certain uniform, but this battle is not just physical, it's a spiritual battle. My 11th grade history teacher, U.S. history teacher, Mr. Gilliland, he was really the teacher that made me way more interested in history. I used to say he made me love history, but I don't actually love history. I'm just interested in it. But he also taught us, taught me things that stuck with me way longer than any of the facts or even any of the principles of history over and over again he said all of life is spiritual everything you do everything you think everywhere you go every decision is spiritual now it might be physical and spiritual But it's not as though our lives are compartmentalized. Yes, we have these different areas of our lives, but they all come under the umbrella of the spiritual because you and I have been created in the image of God Almighty. That's why we're not just like the animals. We're like him in that regard. And everything that we do and all the decisions that we make are a part of our spiritual makeup there's a spiritual influence. And knowing that all of life is spiritual keeps us from keeping a section of our lives from God and thinking, well, that's, that's, that's part of my psyche, Lord. Well, that, that's a part of my emotional. That's a part of my personality. Your personality is spiritual. Your thoughts are spiritual. The work that you do with your hands or with your mind or with your heart is spiritual. It's either spiritual darkness or it's spiritual light. So this number five, know where the battle takes place. Since the battlefield is not right out there, since we can't mark out the battlefield in a way that soldiers would, where is the battlefield? The battlefield is your mind because of your thoughts, and the battlefield is your heart because of your desires are we recognizing that that's where the battle takes place it would be easier to just show up on site and say this is where the war's happening and i've checked in but it's an internal battlefield your heart because of your desires your mind because of your thoughts you have dreams you have hopes The question is, have you submitted those dreams to God? Have you submitted those hopes to God? Or are they still just our dreams and our hopes? And we think that somehow that's not spiritual, I don't wanna give it to God, yes it is. Is it surrendered to him? It's not, it'd be easy to stay away from a certain location and be like, that's where the battle is. Although sometimes certain locations can have a lot of sin. The mind and the heart are these battlefields. Know that that's where the battle takes place. This is true also that the internal battlefield ends up determining our actions. If things are not going well in my heart and in my mind, they will not go well in my actions. That's the front. That's the battlefield. Often people talk about spiritual attacks And they're referring to some exterior trial or some physical circumstance, and they'll say, that was just an attack from the enemy. Do you know what the enemy's specialty is? The internal attack. And I'm not saying that Satan can't use circumstances on the outside to trigger things on the inside, but he works inside. He attempts to work in our hearts and in our minds. That's where he goes, because that's where the real battle is won. That internal battlefield also ends up determining our actions in a potentially good way, doesn't it? When we are allowing the Lord to be our strength in our mind and in our thoughts, then it changes the way that we interact with people, right? It changes the way that we speak. And we tend to lie to ourselves and say, I can think this way or I can feel this way, and it's really never going to affect what I say or what I do. Think about how foolish that is, that we can inside be losing the battle because we're not operating in, our, in the Lord's strength, and it's not going to gush out from us at some point. The truth is, is it's going to be a lot. This, And what the Lord is protecting us from is a whole lot of damage and a whole lot of heartache. You are not, I am not missing anything that this world has to offer. I'm not missing out that whole idea that if I could only have what my heart desires, I would be full. I'd be satisfied. I'd be filled. No, the Lord is protecting you and me and saying, no, real life is in me. Real strength is in me win on that battlefield through the strength of God. I hope, Lord willing, that we can get into the particulars this coming Sunday about these different pieces of armor and what it means to to have them. But remember, all of life is spiritual. Every part of your life has a spiritual foundation, either spiritual darkness or spiritual light. There's motive, there's attitude, there is who we seek to please. And sometimes we can we seeking to please ourselves that spiritual darkness spiritual emptiness and then we have the aim the goal of being the soldier that sincerely seeks to please God now that is life that is victory that is victory on the inside that then shows forth on the outside in the way that we live our lives Christian and and Jeremy are going to come up, and the first song, we'll sing two in closing. The first song is one of those, this is my commitment songs. It says, yes, I will. Like, like this is my decision, because like, ha- each of us have a decision to make. Yes, I will seek refuge in the Lord. Yes, I will put on his armor. Yes, I- I'm going to run to God, because we can hear, listen to this, We can hear, yep, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put on your armor. Yep, you're supposed to let the Lord do your strength. But unless we say, that's what I'm doing today. That's my decision today. That's my choice as a follower of Jesus to do this because I haven't been doing it. And and sometimes I just think it's enough to hear about it. It's not enough to just hear about it. The Lord as a commander and the lord as a shepherd. I mean, when you think of all that the bible tells us about our mighty god, and isn't it true that he's just he's he's all of that in your lives at different times. Like just when he needs to rally the troops, he does, right? And just when he needs to go out and get the lamb that's lost, he does. He's, he's all of that to us, so vast, so perfect. He's worthy of our worship.